1: This is Spilling Royalty with Sean Mandel and Craig Robert Young. Welcome to Spilling Royalty's first mini What's a mini It's a mini episode. A quick tea break, if you will. And today we have a special guest for our mini sode Spilling Royalties producer, Maggie Van Dorn.
0: Hello. Welcome, Maggie.
1: <laughs> How are you feeling? You excited to be on the podcast finally?
0: I am. It's like I, I just speak through you guys. And now I finally get to be a voice.
1: <laughs> Yay. Female power.
0: <laughs> yes, girl power. It is my duty as producer. First and foremost, to let you know that our royal expert, Sean, is out this week. As you know, he's mm-hmm. had a, a bit of a medical mishap, but fear not, he's recovering well and will be back with us next week.
1: We wish our royal town crier all the best and uh, he'll be with us next week. That's right. Yes. So, but we are thrilled to have you. And uh, dear listeners, you may have noticed that we have been holding elaborate tea parties where we not only spill the tea on what's new with the royals, but do some deep diving into history, borrow some expert opinion, and dole out some blue-blooded advice.
0: And we promise to return to this format next week with a full-length tea party. But in the meantime, I want you to line your pockets, open your purse, and take these royal crumpets to go.
1: Speaking of crumpets... Did you hear that Harry and Meghan have finally decided on a wedding cake?
0: Yes! Kensington Palace confirmed. <laughs> Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have chosen their wedding cake. And next to the invites, I think this is the most delicious, savoury detail of the wedding day so far. It turns out that the cake is going to be a lemon elderflower cake covered with buttercream and decorated with fresh flowers to reflect the colours of spring.
1: Now, Maggie, some of our listeners might not know what elderflower is. So do you want to uh, give us a brief description?
0: I know. I, I don't know if I knew what elderflower was when I first heard about this. It sounds really adult to me. <laughs> like not cherries, not blueberries, but elderflower. Yeah. So, so elderflowers bloom from elder trees. And they're really abundant in the UK. And they can actually be found oh, wow. growing along the roadside hedges.
1: Do you know what it tastes like?
0: Do you know what it tastes like, Craig?
1: Uh, I do, yes. I've had it with a gin. A gin. Because gin's very popular in the UK. And obviously we know that it's the Queen's favourite tipple. But yeah, they st- started introducing it in bars in, uh, you know, Saint G- Saint-Germain, I think is the most popular one. Saint-Germain, yes. Um which is like an elderflower liqueur mm-hmm. that they mix with gin. And um, it's pretty yummy, I have to say. It's also good in champagne as well.
0: Yeah, So if you've had any number of cocktails, you might have tasted elderflower cordial in them. You also might know Jamie Oliver, the famous chef. He describes yep. this uh, scent or flavor as distinctly musky and sweet, which, again, I think is so mature. It's a very adult flavor, right?
1: Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a really interesting choice of cake, right? Because, I mean, why the idea of going with a, a spring-inspired cake? You know, doesn't appear very revolutionary. Yeah. No. Uh, Meghan and Harry are departing from a long-held English and royal tradition of having a fruitcake at their wedding.
0: Yep. Prince William and Kate Middleton had a fruitcake, as mm-hmm. did Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Um, so the yep. fruitcake is a established tradition there.
1: It is. And the Queen and Prince Philip's wedding cake, which, by the way, was nine feet tall, if you can imagine, consisted of ingredients from all around the world a tower cake (laughs) Um, the bigger the cake the closer to god i guess (laughs) that's true Um, but it consisted of ingredients from all around the world which is you know pretty much opposite to being locally sourced
0: if you have ingredients from like 10 different countries around the world that is definitely the opposite of being locally sourced
1: one of the uh, aspects of it is that uh, there's a, a personal connection to the cake maker.
0: Yes. Do you want to tell us yeah, a bit about the Yeah, we should maker? talk about the cake maker. She's almost as important yeah. as the dessert itself. Her name's Claire Patak and she's the owner of Violet Bakery. Meghan Markle actually previously interviewed Claire Patak for her former lifestyle website, The Tig. And mm-hmm. if you've had a chance to ever glance at The Tig, it has delicious recipes. It has interviews from Michelin star chefs. And so uh, some have said that it's as though Megan has been unwittingly preparing for her wedding her entire life. Wow. Like she, and, Yeah, like she know, has all feat, of the ingredients it? and connections that she needs to make a, a truly stunning wedding and reception.
1: Oh, yeah. And this is, you know, Claire's never done this before, so the pressure's on, wouldn't you say, for her to really yeah. step up and not mess this one up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. I'd be terrified if I had to make a cake for the royal family. And not only that, but over <sighs> 600 guests.
1: Oh, my goodness. And also, you know, trying it out and making sure that it's it's perfect. You know, it must, yeah. the hours that she must spend in the kitchen just prepping and trying and tasting. I mean, it must be insane.
0: It must be.
1: I mean, she's made a statement that she's, you know, really excited to be a part of the royal wedding and especially delighted to know that Meghan and Harry share her values about using seasonal and local organic ingredients Mm -hmm. that taste really nice and ripe.
0: Yeah. And that's something that, you know, she said that this cake is really emblematic of Megan and Harry's values to shop locally and with the season. So instead of importing something that might be fresh in some other part of the world, they look to what is fresh near them. And often what is the most fresh is also the most delicious.
1: It's true. It's true. And if you uh, out there are interested in sampling some of Claire's confectionery creations, you have to travel to London, unfortunately although she was uh, a california native she moved to london where she runs violet bakery in hackney east london
0: yeah i just love the ways that they are intertwining both the british and american identities of the bride and groom you know like we have an an american baker but who now lives in east london
1: i love that i think it's definitely you know making megan feel welcome in some respects you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's not just British tradition. They're definitely blending.
0: Yeah. Craig, uh, you're a native. How easy do you think it would be for tourists to access Violet Bakery in Hackney, East London? Just
1: jump on a tube. you <laughs> okay. there in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: I've looked up pictures of it too. It looks really sweet and quaint. And yeah, it's got that great organic seasonal vibe. So I, I think it's a destination worth traveling to if you're there.
1: Just for the cake.
0: Yeah. And also, if you can't make it to London, uh, Claire Patak has a book out and it is called The Violet Bakery Cookbook.
1: Oh. Ah, mm-hmm. Except that I checked Did last you? night and it's temporarily out of stock on Amazon. Oh, um, no. I guess that <laughs> that's the not word is great out. a surprise, is it though? <laughs> that's what happens when the royal family asks you to bake a cake.
0: Yeah, it's like everyone who has a hand in this ceremony is automatically getting free promotion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly
0: no, you know it's a great honor and yet it, it's also a great boon to your business
1: oh totally and it's a small business too so i love that yes she'll probably have pop-ups everywhere well, right. a little pop-up store in los angeles in honor
0: oh that would be darling all right well next up the wedding invitations
1: Yes, around six hundred people have been invited to the service and the luncheon, which will be hosted by the Queen at St George's Hall at Windsor Castle.
0: And if you haven't had the chance to look these invitations up, I can tell you they are pretty clerical. I was, I was a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you seen them, Craig?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I, and I know it's tradition, and you know it's following tradition, but I don't know. I wanted like color. yeah, Just a splash.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. You want to get a taste not only of the couple, but the wedding. But instead, we have black calligraphy on off-white paper with a golden seal up top. That's my read on it, at
1: least. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, but put more regally by Kensington Palace.
0: Yes, what do they say it is?
1: Yes, so there is um, actually a special video that's been made by the palace to show you how these invitations were actually come about, how they were made. And uh, if you want to see that video, you can go to uh, Kensington Palace's Twitter and they have a link there for you to see the video.
0: And they actually made these invitations on a machine from the 1930s that is still in use. So that's pretty cool.
1: That is uh, amazing. Yeah, that something from the 30s still exists. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so the palace also notes that using American ink on an English card, you know, tying it back in to putting Megan in there a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, making her feel welcome.
0: Letting her heritage be shown.
1: Exactly. Um, the invitations are printed in gold and black, then burnished to bring out the shine and gilded around the edges. Very formal. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because if you look closely, you'll notice some key differences between this royal wedding invitation and Wills and Kate's.
0: Yes. So these are some of the differences that people are talking about on William and Kate's wedding invitation. It was the Queen that commanded Lord Chamberlain to invite the chosen guests. In contrast, if you look at Harry and Meghan's invite, it's Prince Charles, not the Queen, and he merely requests rather than commands the presence of the guests.
1: And for those that don't know who are following us, maybe some of our younger listeners, Prince Charles is the father of Harry.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's as, as though the father is inviting you to the wedding of his son.
1: And what do you think the difference is about that?
0: You know, Will, Prince William, is second in line to the throne after his father, uh, Prince Charles, whereas Harry is sixth after Kate has her next baby due any day now. So there is a bit of, of rank and importance mm. uh, that might have been bestowed to Will's wedding. And obviously, this is a grand affair for Harry as well, but it might account for some of the differences in language.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Royal protocol, as they say. Yes. Uh, another detail that everyone is noting, though, is uh, Meghan's title on the invitation is Ms. In contrast to Kate's, which was Miss.
0: Yes. So MS versus M-I-S-S. Yeah, a lot of people saying that is due to the fact that Megan is a divorcee. Um, But in fact, a lot of professional adult women go by Miss, M-S, rather than Miss. So it it could very well just be a personal preference of Megan's.
1: What, what do you prefer, Maggie? Are you a Ms. or a Miss? Oh,
0: definitely Ms. Yeah, Miss would make me feel like I'm 16 again.
1: It is. I had a teacher at school that was um, Ms. Cannon Brownlee, You know, she she was Miss Cannon Brownlee, and then she Miss Cannon rather, and then she got married and she became Ms. Cannon Brownlee. So she kept her name and hyphenated it with uh, her husband's. It made her feel very different and distinguished in my eyes.
0: Yes, I think Ms. is more distinguished and Miss is more youthful. But if we think about who Megan is as a person coming into this marriage, uh, she is a distinguished, mature, elderflower, cake-eating woman.
1: (laughs) Very nicely put. Yeah. I like that. She's a little elderflower. I think that's going to be like a you know, yeah. like little buttercup, little cherub. Now it's yeah. Oh, you little cute elderflower. Elderflower. <laughs> this was just in Kensington Palace. Shared that the armed forces will play a special role in the wedding. You'll probably recall that Harry served in the army back in uh, April 2006, Mm -hmm. undertaking two tours of Afghanistan and rising to the ranks of captain.
0: Yes, exactly. So those regiments and units that Harry had a really special relationship to will provide ceremonial support at the wedding and during the carriage procession. I think it'll be a really moving event.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's a nice way to honor, you know, our service men and women and making, you know, them feel a part of this. Mm
0: -hmm. And Harry Um, has remained so connected through the Invictus Games to veterans that it would only make sense that they would be a special part of his wedding day.
1: So, this concludes our first mini-sode of spilling royalty. Join us next Thursday as we dig into Harry's refusal to sign a prenuptial agreement.
0: Holler, we do not want prenup!
1: No, no prenups. It's very British, actually, to not have a prenup. Mm. And you'll notice this episode didn't have an awful lot of gossip, so we definitely need Sean back next Thursday.
0: Yes, thank you for letting me be your Tea Party guest, but I am perfectly content handing the mic back to Sean.
1: Oh, you were fantastic, Maggie. You have to come on as a guest next time
0: <laughs> okay we'll see about that
1: we need more of you
0: <laughs> and i wouldn't be a good producer if i didn't remind you to subscribe to spilling royalty on apple podcasts or your podcatcher of choice so that you never miss an episode or a mini episode